0: You are listening to the teaching podcast of Praise Community Church in Mason City, Iowa. For more information about our church, please visit praisecc.org. It is so hard when this is like the last Wednesday, and I just feel like in so many ways, I, I just have scratched the surface On healing. I just feel like, you know, as you're putting these messages together, you just feel like, man, there's just so much I want to say and so much more I want to talk about on this. And and here you're like, oh, I got to wrap this up tonight. Uh, So I kind of want to just conclude. We've been really kind of looking at that foundational verse in Proverbs chapter 4, verses 20 through twenty. To, and we've really been kind of looking at really the five ways that we can best position ourselves to receive healing. And there, uh, the, the scripture makes, again, this amazing promise. And there it says, my son, or again, this is uh, for, for you ladies, my, my daughter, my children, attend to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings, let them not depart from your eyes, keep them in the midst of your heart. And again, when we do that, when we, when we take those five positions, he says, for they are life. And again, that's, that's salvation, that's um, eternal life to those that find them and health, again, to all their flesh. And again, from these uh, verses there in Proverbs, we find five steps that we can really take and, and position ourselves uh, to receive the promise of life and health to all of our flesh. We've kind of talked through the first three. So, if, in case you've missed that um, and, and you're, you're just getting here tonight uh, after a couple of weeks, uh, we've talked about the first one, that being kind of really an intimate relationship with the Father. And again, there's that opening phrase there at the beginning. Where he says, my son, and again, it is an indication, what he's, what he's talking to is he's inviting us into a very intimate relationship and fellowship um, with our Father God. And that is really where all blessings flow from. Every good and perfect thing, James says, flows down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variance, there's no shifting, there is no changing. And so again, um, what God is, uh, God always was, and God f- will forever uh, be. So uh, as God uh, healed in the Old Testament, God healed in the New Testament, God heals uh, even today. There's no change with God. And more than our physical healing, really God's desire is for us to find salvation, to come to that place of repentance where we uh, are born again, we enter into a very intimate, deep relationship with God. And out of that relationship, God just begins to cause all of his blessings to flow uh, to us, and healing is included in those blessings. Second position we need to take is we really need to attend to God's word. Now, Proverbs four twenty again, it says, my My son, attend to my word. We kind of looked at some other translations there that said, you know, give attention to my words or pay attention to what I say. And again, to attend to the word of God, it just means to watch over it. I mean, to to study it, to meditate on it, pay attention to what it says. Attending to the word of God involves not just reading the word, but it's really meditating uh, on the word continually and constantly. Third position, third way we position ourselves to receive life and health to our bodies, again, is that, we talked about this last week, incline your ear to God's word. Now, he continues there in verse 20, he says, attend to my words, incline your ear to my sayings. Again, other translations uh, say, listen carefully. Uh, thoughtfully to my words, tune your ears to my voice. Again, we talked about Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice. So again, we just sometimes have to learn how to hear uh, the word uh, or how how to hear the voice of God. Consent or, or submit Uh, to my sayings. Again, that is the idea behind inclining um, our ear uh, to God's word. Again, we we talked about this last week. You know, inclining your ear is just literally taking your ear, yourself by the ear, and just leading you to the word of God. We talked about last week, if you ever had a parent or a teacher uh, ever did you never did that, did you, Neva? No, never. Uh, but where you would just take a student, you could just kind of take him by the ear. And I've had I've had teachers that did this, and I'll tell you what, where where. If they get a hold of your ear, wherever your ear goes, your body follows. And that's the idea here is you just, you incline, you drag, you bring your ear to the word of God and you listen carefully to what is the word of God uh, saying in that regard. So let me just pick up in the fourth way that we position ourselves for vibrant life, for this physical health is set your eyes upon God's word. Now again, Proverbs 421 continues He says, let them, being God's word, let them not depart from your eyes. It means your focus. It means you fix your eyes intently upon what you're reading. What is the word of God saying? So vibrant life, physical healing, not only involves what we meditate upon or what we hear, but it's also what we see now, that word depart means turn aside from that which is straight, meaning if you'll keep your eyes, if you'll keep them fixed, if you'll keep them focused upon what the word of God says, it will go a long ways toward keeping you uh, walking straight, walking in obedience and compliance uh, to the word of God. Uh, Proverbs 3, uh, 5 through 6 says this, trust in the Lord with all of your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all of your ways, acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. So again, when we set our eyes, when we fix our eyes and focus our eyes upon the word of God, one of the the advantages or benefits of that is it will make our paths, it will make our lives, it will make our walk with God straight. See, the nation of Israel, when they crossed the Red Sea and entered into the wilderness on their way to the promised land, how many of you know, it should have only taken them 40 days to make that journey, at the very most. And a lot of us know what was supposed to be a 40-day journey turned into a 40-year wandering in circles. They got their eyes off of God and their straight path through the wilderness to the promised land, suddenly just turned into a 40-year maze. Again, we see the importance of this principle applied in one of the healing miracles that took place while the Israelites were on that wilderness journey. Story takes place in Numbers 21. Maybe some of you are familiar with this story, beginning in verse 4. And it says, And they, the nation of Israel, set out from Mount Hor by the way of the Red Sea, To go around the land of Edom and the people became impatient because of the journey. And out of that impatience it says the people spoke against God and God's servant Moses. And they said why have you brought us up out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? For there is no food and no water and we loathe this miserable food, the manna. And the Lord sent fiery serpents among the people, and they bit the people so that many people of Israel died. So the people came to Moses and said, we have sinned, we have spoken against the Lord and you, intercede with the Lord that he may remove the serpents from us. And Moses interceded for the people. Then the Lord said to Moses, make a fiery serpent set it on a pole, and it came about that if a serpent bit any man, when he looked to the bronze serpent, he lived. So here you have people, they complained against God, over God's guidance, over God's provision. They complained against God's spokesperson, and they're just very vocal with their discontent uh, of God's provision and His guidance. And so God just allows some poisonous snakes into the camp and great numbers of people uh, died as a result. So the people don't want to die, so they repent before God, they repent before Moses, they implore Moses, we know that you're God's spokesman, we know God listens to you would you just intercede pray for us uh, to God and just ask him to remove these snakes from among us and so Moses goes before the Lord on behalf of the people he prays he intercedes for them and this is what is called intercession it's where you go to God on behalf of other people So God tells Moses, he says, here's what I want you to do. I want you to make a bronze replica of the serpents that have bitten the people. And I want you to mount it on a bronze, uh, on a pole, and instruct the people that if they are bitten by the serpent, if they'll simply look to That bronze serpent on the pole, they will live. In other words, they would be healed and not die. Now, it's interesting to me that God does not remove the serpents from from the people, from the midst of the camp. Rather, he provides the remedy and leaves the serpents in their presence. And I think part of the reason God does this is because without the serpents in their midst, there would be no need to look at the bronze serpent on a pole, right? I mean, if there's no snakes and no one's getting bitten, no one needs to look um, to the bronze serpent on the pole. So it would make the serpent on the pole absolutely unnecessary. Also, it causes them to look towards something other than the thing that threatened them. It's necessitated that really their focus be more on God. It requires that they look to the remedy uh, that God provided. In like manner, John 3.14 makes a very interesting statement. And Jesus is speaking here. And he says, as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, that again, that's that, that's that uh Bronze serpent there on the pole, as he lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up. Now, again, I just told you the reason Moses put the serpent there on the pole was so that those who were bitten by the serpent would be healed and live. This is the same reason Jesus was nailed to uh, the cross. The reason he uh, uh, died and atoned for our, our sins and our sickness and disease was so that we would look to him, the provision that was made upon the cross, that we would look to him and we would be healed. First Peter 2.24 confirms this and it says, And he himself, referring to Jesus, bore our sins... In his body on the cross so that we might die to sin and live to righteousness for by his wounds you were healed. Jesus goes to the cross, he's crucified, he's lifted up, his body was broken uh, so that we would be healed and made whole. Now again, it's interesting to me that God commanded Moses to use a bronze replica uh, of the serpent. Um, The very thing that had bitten and killed the people. The same thing is true uh, when Jesus went to the cross. Sin or sickness and disease was a curse that entered into the human race when Adam and Eve rebelled in the Garden of Eden by eating of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Uh, And that curse has been passed on from generation to generation to generation. And Galatians 3.13 says Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law. How did he do that? By becoming a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. So Jesus took not only the curse of sin, which is death, he also took the the curse of sin and sickness and disease upon himself when he went to the cross by becoming a curse. And so again, when we look to Jesus, we're looking to that provision that God gave to us to be released from that curse to be, made, uh, to be healed and to be made whole. That's why Matthew 8, 17 says in reference to Jesus, he himself took our infirmities and carried away our diseases. So again, Jesus, he conquered our infirmities. He overcame our sicknesses. He carried away our diseases by becoming the very curse that caused the infirmities, the sickness, and the disease. So just as the Israelites had to look at the provision that God gave in the bronze serpent upon the pole in order to be healed, in like manner, we too must look to God's provision, Jesus, for our healing. This is where, again, we've got to make the choice what are we going to focus on? What are we going to fix our eyes on? Uh, the, the curse? Or are we going to focus on the provision that God has provided to remove the curse? And let me just give you an example of how I think this works probably for most of us. You start having symptoms in your body. Things like maybe a pain in your stomach, maybe you get a fever, you're fatigued, maybe there's a loss of appetite, joint pain, skin rash. You know something is wrong, so you go to the doctor, and let's just say, just for by way of example, the doctor examines you, runs tests, comes back and says, You've got Crohn's disease. Now, you're a Christian, you, know, you believe that, that God can heal. Um, you decide you're just going to stand on the promise of God's word and you're just going to trust God for a complete and total healing. So you get as many scriptures as you can find. You kind of just begin to focus on. You begin to meditate. You begin to memorize. You just begin to speak out um, healing scriptures over your life. Now, as you do that, one of the tricks of the enemy is he is going to come and try to get you to focus and pay attention to the symptoms you're experiencing. So as you're trying to fix your focus on what the word of God says regarding your healing, the enemy's going to try to come and to get your focus off of the promises of God's word and onto the symptoms of whatever sickness or disease that you're experiencing. And you'll say things like, by his stripes, I am healed. And the enemy will kind of follow up with that in your mind saying, you're not healed. Look at your body. You still have the pain in your stomach, don't you? You're still tired, aren't you? That rash hasn't gone away, right? And blah, 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 blah. And so what happens is, as as the enemy is kind of trying to get you to start focusing more on the symptoms, because he wants to get your eyes off the provision. So again, sometimes that's just part of that battle that we sometimes have to fight. See, if you can get your eyes off the word and the promises that God's given you for your healing... And just, again, get your focus back on your symptoms. He stands a better chance of defeating you and keeping the healing from manifesting. I would share a little bit of a story about my, my friend Bernita. And she had gone to the um, cancer treatment centers of America up in Chicago. I think that they are probably by far one of the best cancer uh, I mean, if you're, you're going to have cancer and you're going to treat it uh, through medical means, probably, there's no better place in the world than cancer treatments of America in Chicago. So she had gone there, and they were the ones that had made the original diagnosis. They just had run her through a battery of tests. They came back, and they gave her the diagnosis. So when I talked with her, and it was really, really interesting because I told her um, that in the vision, I saw her that in a in a bright red dress, um, and that, for me, represented the blood of Christ that represented again just that that healing presence that was going to be there with her. If you weren't here last week um, i I had shared a story about a, a friend of mine uh, who had received a diagnosis of cancer, and when I found out about it, I just felt like the Lord just just gave me a very, very strong word for her. And the word was that um, I, I was to call her and to tell her um, that God was gonna heal her. As a matter of fact, that God had told me to tell her because I think they had given her like maybe six months to nine months to live. And they, that's what they had kind of told her in the diagnosis. And God told me to tell her specifically that she was supposed to start planning a party a year from the date of the diagnosis, that she was to invite everybody that would have come to her funeral, and she was going to have this party, and she was going to declare the works of the Lord. Um, so I, I got a hold of her. I shared the vision, shared the promise, uh, everything uh, with her. Um, when she received her healing, uh, God healed her miraculously. Her her daughter was a nurse. Um, I love nurses, love doctors, but she did not believe that her mother was healed. Her mother went back to the cancer treatment centers uh, of America in Chicago. They ran all of the same tests on her that they ran on her when they diagnosed her with the cancer. And they came back and told her, there is no cancer in your body. We, we cannot find a trace of cancer anywhere. The daughter did not believe it and wanted her to go to another place and go through all of the same tests because she had convinced herself and convinced her mother that that cancer was still there. So they went to a place up in Minneapolis that the cancer treatments recommended. She went there and she went through the same Battery of tests they did in Chicago, and they came back and said, There is no cancer; we cannot find any trace of cancer and It was at that point I just I warned her, do not get into fear on this um, and the daughter had convinced her that that they made mistakes that the cancer just does not Disappear like that and just really had had pretty much talked her back into all of that uh, And I don't think it was probably was it maybe like six months nine months she had she had died um, And daughter just refused to believe and, and just kept speaking this out um, over uh, her, her mother um, I, I to this day don't ever understand um, That but uh, be that as it may again. She just she just pulled her focus I mean, if you could have talked to this woman on the phone when they told her she was healed, I've, I've never heard a more relieved, elated woman in my life. I mean, she was, she was just overcome with joy. And, and just to, to take that and to shift her focus away from that healing back onto her cancer, her sickness, and her disease. Uh, it, 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 only the enemy uh, can, can do that. I'm not saying that her daughter was the enemy, but boy, he sure used her uh, in, in a lot of ways. And again, That's just where you can just get your focus um, completely off that. I knew a professor, Janie and I went to um, Asbury Theological Seminary, Wilmore, Kentucky, and across the street from the seminary was Asbury College, and there was a professor there that I had met and and had gotten to know uh, by the name of uh, Bob Neff. And he wrote a book uh, on spiritual warfare. And he was a man that really understood spiritual uh, warfare. And so uh, I was able to get a copy uh, of his book when it came out. And he started this book on spiritual warfare where he kind of was recounting uh, his ordeal with uh, cancer back in... uh, The late 70s. And so in the book, he said, in 1977, he said, I noticed a black mole on the back of my neck. He said, a few months later, I went to a doctor and they removed the mole. The test came back positive for malignant melanoma cancer. He said, I then began to pray about whether I should submit to the medical treatment that was recommended. He said, I also prayed with three spirit-filled prayer partners about this same issue. He said, soon I knew I must trust Jesus alone. And he said, for the next six years, I did not visit a doctor's office or take any medical treatment or medicine. Let me just stop here and say, that is a decision you and you alone should make i, I we've said from you know I, I open this by saying don't don't anybody take anything i 'm saying here that I want you to stop taking your medication that I want you to stop whatever treatments you're doing based on my word but you need to do this based on god's word to you you need to be doing this with your with with you know uh, consent knowledge of your doctor if you're taking medication do not stop taking that without speaking to your doctor okay i'm i don't want any of that to come back on me uh, as my responsibility or you did that because you felt that's what i was telling you to do i'm not telling you To do that. And that's one of the things I just point out here is that he made that decision not to seek a doctor's treatment or to do any kind of follow up um, uh, medically. So to go on, he said, This was not and is not my regular practice, but I knew what God was saying for me at the time. That is so important said, shortly thereafter, I experienced severe headaches and a burning sensation. As time went by, my symptoms intensified throughout my body. After several months, I began waking up during the night with burning um, and pain all throughout my body, including night sweats. Some nights, I moved to a couch in my study where I could pray through the night. One evening, I sensed there was someone standing at the end of the sofa. It was pitch dark, so I could not see, but I knew there was someone standing there. I felt an awesome presence of peace. I believe the Lord was at my side. After almost a year, the Lord spoke clearly to me one morning, saying, Bob, you are healed. I was healed, but the symptoms did not disappear. He said, I spent many nights praying into the early hours of the morning, and God always came to me. The Lord revealed to me that I was going through a crisis, but that he would make a way where there seemed no way. He said, God reminded me of the scripture verse in Luke, but when the Lord spoke to me, he personalized it by replacing my name for Simon Peter, Bob, Bob, Satan has desired you to sift you like wheat, but I have prayed for you so that your faith will not fail, and when you return, you will strengthen others. He said, my symptoms did not change immediately. My body was reacting to the cancer. I struggled with many physical difficulties for six years. During that time, I began to study the names of God. We've been doing that on Sunday morning. um, In my personal time with the Lord. So the revelation gave me supernatural strength, and despite the black substance excreting from my body and the attacks against my blood, I began to regain my health. Eventually, I was eventually healed and regained complete physical strength. And this, this man went on uh, to um, uh, go to China and was, and, and I think is establishing underground uh, churches in China. Uh, and so, again, just amazing, um, again, warfare, that is warfare. I mean, when you've got to endure something like that for six years, can you imagine the focus you've got to have uh, in, in, in a battle like that? And so, again, it's just really an encouraging story. And, and, again, I just share that, again, just to reinforce that point that, you know, sometimes in the process of your healing. Um, th- there may be symptoms in your body, okay? You may still have pain. That rash may still be there, okay? Again, don't pretend they're not there. I'm not asking you to deny, you know, and just act, you know, like pretend they're not there. Um, you just recognize and you acknowledge, yes, the symptoms are still there, but you just don't make them your fr- primary focus. You acknowledge them, but your primary acknowledgement are the promises of God. Your primary acknowledgement is, by your stripes, I am healed. I don't care what the symptoms say, I'm going to choose to stand on and fix my focus on the word and the promises of God. One of the biggest mistakes we make uh, when it comes to our healing is that, like Bob, we're healed, but because the symptoms may remain, and in Bob's case, intensified, we think we're not healed because we're looking to the symptoms for proof. When the proof of our healing needs to be God's word and promise that by his stripes we are healed. That makes sense? Good. Okay, that's why it is so important to literally keep the word of God and his promises in your ears, in front of your eyes. Because when you do that, that will keep your path straight. It will keep you from getting distracted or sidelined by symptoms in your body or by the words, again, of well-intentioned people. I mean, uh, Bernita's daughter, I I think she was well-intended in what she was trying to do for her mother. I know on several occasions she said, I just don't want to get her hope up. I mean, she was well-intentioned in what she was doing. And again, sometimes there are just those people, they're going to come and they're just going to say things because they don't want you to get your hope up. Um, But that's what the word of God is there. It is to raise your hope. It's to increase your faith in what God is wanting to do. Again, don't deny the symptoms. Don't act like they're not there. Um, they're just not where our focus is. Our attention, again, is on the word. It's on the promises of God. Again, that's the idea behind not letting God's word depart from your eyes. Fifth and final position is set your heart upon the word of God. My Child, attend to my words, incline your ear to my sayings, let them not depart from your eyes and keep them in the midst of your heart. So Proverbs 4 says, don't let the word of God, don't let that depart from your eyes. Now, what is the opposite of that? Well, Jesus said in Matthew 13 that there will be those who will keep on seeing but not perceive what they're seeing because their eyes Are closed again. It's it's difficult to see when your eyes are closed. Proverbs four, by the same token, says, "Keep God's word, keep His promises in the midst of your heart." Now, what is the opposite of that? Jesus said in Matthew thirteen that our, our our hearts have the potential of becoming dull. If we're not keeping our, our eyes uh, in front of the word of God, if we're not keeping them in the midst of our heart, our hearts can become dull. They can become desensitized to the things of God. So when our hearts are not keeping the word of God, when his promises are not in the midst of our heart, again, our hearts, they're just going to become dull. Then notice the difference um, there. Proverbs 14 says, when we incline our ears to his sayings, when we let them not depart from our eyes, keep them in the midst of our heart, what happens is you will find life and it will bring health to all your flesh. Now Jesus said in Matthew 13 that if if we scarcely can hear, if our eyes are closed, if our hearts are hardened, if they're dull to his word, to his promises, we're not going to be healed so we kind of get this side-by-side comparison of Proverbs 4 and Matthew 13. And Jesus ends that, very interestingly, in Matthew 13, 16, he said, But blessed are your eyes because they see. Why? Why do your eyes see? Because you've not let his word depart from your eyes. And he says, and blessed not are just your eyes, but he said, blessed are your ears because they hear. Why do your ears hear? Because you've inclined them to his word. So he gives you kind of this side-by-side juxtaposition there. Uh, Very, very interesting. And the blessing that Jesus refers to there is the same in Proverbs 4, that you would be healed. So again, Jesus, in reinforcing the importance of what we're studying and looking at here in Proverbs 4, because there is a cost. Uh, sometimes a steep cost when we choose not to position our eyes, our ears, and our heart upon God's word. Now that word heart there, again, uh, it, if you've been here any time, you know we, we speak about the heart a lot here. Um, and it's not the a muscle in your body that's you know, responsible for pumping uh, blood throughout your body. The word heart here and, and the way Jesus uses that, he's speaking about your inner person, your inner man, your inner woman. Okay? It refers to our mind, our will, our soul, our understanding, our desires. It's that place where your conscience, that inner voice resides. It is the seat of our appetites, our desires, our emotions, our passions. The heart, when Jesus speaks about that, is where our knowledge, our thinking, our reflections, uh, our emotions are found. Uh, It is where we are to keep the word of God. It's that same place where we are to keep the word of God and his promises in our midst. The heart is the place, it is the very essence of where our being resides. And God wants us to put his word in those places as well. Psalm 119 verse 11 says in reference to the heart, your word, being God's word, have I hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you? Again, this is the same idea when we talk about keeping God's word in the midst of our hearts. It's that we have, we're, we're hiding God's word and, and we're hiding his promises in our inner being. We're hiding that in our soul. We're hiding that in our mind, our emotions, our, our reflections, our thinking, our knowledge, our will. Um, the word hidden there is understood as to hoard, um, to store up, to accumulate, to lay up in reserves. So we're to hoard, we're to store up, we are to accumulate God's word in our inner being, our soul, our mind, and our will. We stockpile, if you will, the word of God in the places our knowledge, our thinking, our reflections, um, our memories reside. And again, this is a great reason why it's so important to memorize scripture. Especially if God gives you a healing promise. Just memorize that and just, again, you just say that over and over and over. It's a thing where you can maybe put a scripture verse up on a mirror in a bathroom. So maybe as you're getting ready for work, or you're ready to take on the day, that scripture verse is up there. You know, and and you're you're able to look at that and to reflect upon that and to meditate and to think on that and and just ask God to give you revelation, deeper, greater revelation about that particular word uh, that He's revealing um, to you. Proverbs 23 7 says, For as He thinks in His heart, so, as he. So, as the Word of God begins to affect, to change, to transform your heart, that's going to flow outward. You're going to begin to be transformed on the outside um, as well. So, when we keep the Word of God in the midst of our hearts, you're going to become godly. Okay, When we keep holiness in the midst of our heart, you're just going to begin to manifest holiness on the outward man. When we keep righteousness in the midst of our hearts, we're just going to naturally begin to walk in righteousness. So again, whatever is stored up and accumulated in the heart, in the inner being, is what you're going to begin to manifest. It's what you're going to begin to become. Now another idea for uh, in the Hebrew for that word hidden is to cover over. So when it, when it comes to my thinking... Um, I cover over the thoughts of human wisdom, uh, which oftentimes can be contrary or contradictory to God's word. So I cover over the thoughts of human wisdom that comes from the wisdom um, that comes from God in his word. That's keeping, again, God's word in the midst of your heart. Um, when it comes to our fleshly desires, you know, those things found in Galatians chapter five, I've kind of listed a few of those um, up there, okay? We cover over all of that stuff with godly desires like those fruits of the spirit that are found in the preceding verses there. Um, Can you go to that one there? There again he says that you cover over those uh, previous ones in Galatians with love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. That's covering over that work of the flesh with the fruit of of the Spirit. That's kind of the idea there. So when we hoard, store up, and accumulate God's word in our heart, our inner being, okay, we cover over and we just begin to gain victory and freedom from those unrighteous places um, through God's righteousness. Now if you look at that verse that follows uh, these two verses we've been looking at in Proverbs 4, look at what verse 23 says. Keep your heart with all diligence. Uh, some transla- your translations will say, guard your heart, for out of it flow the issues of life. Another translation says, guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. So we are to keep and to guard our hearts. We do that by uh, keeping the word of God first and foremost in the midst of our heart. Whatever drives your heart is going to drive your life. Okay. Whatever dominates your heart is going to dominate your life. Whatever captures your heart is going to capture your life. Whatever controls your heart is going to control your life. Whatever is in abundance in your heart, it's just going to spill out. It's going to manifest in your life. If money controls your heart, then money will control your life. Okay? If bitterness has a hold on your heart, then bitterness is going to have a hold on your life, and bitterness is just going to manifest itself in your life and through your relationships. If godliness is in your heart, if that's what dominates your heart, then godliness will, will manifest. It will be the outflow of your life. If peace reigns in your heart Peace is going to reign in your life. If the word of God guides your heart, then the word of God will guide your life. Um, If your heart is set on pleasing God, then you're going to have a life that is pleasing to God. Amen? So again, what's in your heart determines the course of your life. Now the opposite is true as well. If you want to know what's dominating your heart, just ask yourself, what is dominating my life right now? If you have a very stress-filled life, I'll guarantee you your heart is stressed. If there's a lot of fear in your life, I'll guarantee you there's a lot of fear in your heart. If there's a lot of worry and a lot of anxiety in your life, there is going to be a lot of worry and anxiety in your heart. One is a reflection of the other. Your heart mirrors your life and vice versa. That's why Jesus says in John 14, beginning in verse 1, do not let your hearts be troubled. Because a troubled heart, folks, leads to a troubled life. And Jesus continues on and he kind of gives us the antidote. He gives us the solution. Uh, He just says, trust in God, trust also in me. So when our hearts are troubled, the antidote to that is trust God, trust Jesus. When my mind is troubled, again, we can cover over that by replacing those troubling thoughts with thoughts about what it means to trust in God and to trust in Jesus. We keep and we guard our mind by keeping the word of God in the midst of our mind. We keep and guide our thinking by, again, just storing up, accumulating God's word in our thoughts. We keep, we guard our emotions, again, by just storing up and accumulating God's word in our emotions, we guide and we guard our conscience, again, by hoarding God's word in our conscience. Second Corinthians 10.5 gives us, again, just some great insight. Casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of of Christ. So again, the way you cast out imaginations is you got to replace those imaginations with the truth of God's Word. You take, again, every high, every lofty thought that exalts or, or stands in opposition to the Word of God, to the promise of God's Word, and you just take those thoughts and you make them a slave to the obedience of Jesus Christ. Again, how many of you have ever just let, let your imagination get the best of you? I mean, you, you, you hear something and your imagination just takes that thought, that comment, and just runs wild with it. I think all of us have probably had that happen to us maybe just within the last week. I mean, the kind of wild imagination where you get a headache and before you know it, your imagination has convinced you it's brain cancer and you're going to die. I mean, we've all had moments like that where something like that happens, and we just allow our imaginations to run wild and to just take a a molehill and just blow it up into a mountain. Or maybe you have a disagreement or an argument with your spouse, and your imagination just runs wild, and before you know it, you've convinced yourself they're going to walk out on you, and you're getting a divorce, and I mean, just all kinds of scenarios begin to just play havoc. Your child goes missing in the grocery store and all of a sudden you're just convincing yourself that they've been abducted and you're wanting to call the police and you're just in a panic over that. Again, your imagination, again, we are to just take our vain imagination. That's what that is. It, it's, we, just, we need to take those imaginations and the Bible says we just need to cast them down. Don't let them play out in your mind because, again, what does it do? It brings fear. It brings worry. It brings anxiety. It brings stress. And, again, most of us know just by our own experience when that happens 99.9% of the time, none of that ever happens the way our imaginations have led us to believe it will. So again, when you're in intimate fellowship with Father God, not just reading, but you're taking time to focus, you're meditating, you're fixing your eyes upon God's word, you're just inclining, you're bringing, you're forcing your ear to hear what he says, your eyes are are focused on what he's saying your heart, I mean, you're, you're just positioning your heart to be in agreement, to be in unity with God's word. When you're casting down imaginations, when you're casting down every thought that wants to exalt itself or to push back against the knowledge uh, of God, when you will just begin to just do what the writer here in Proverbs 4 says. And just casting down those imaginations. Again, the victory will come. The blessing of life and health to all your flesh will flow. Amen? Amen. Amen. We're going to pray tonight. Um, and if you're here, I think most of you have been here at probably at, at least once. So um, hopefully all of you, if, if you're here with any kind of uh, issues you've, you've been prayed for, hopefully... Uh, at, at least once. We'd love to pray again tonight if, if there's just something that maybe God is stirring in your heart tonight. Um, maybe as we've kind of talked about this, maybe you're kind of feeling challenged that, that you know, there's just something I feel like God wants me um, to do just to, to come into agreement or to, or to just stand uh, for that healing. We want to pray for you um, here tonight. Um, I know that uh, Roxy had shared with me um, there's a, a young man, I, you're, you're going to have to tell him quickly. Okay, and what was his name again? Okay. Jim shared a a scripture in the prayer room today, and I was just trying to find that really quickly. Yeah, he was uh, sharing about the little girl. Uh, I shared about this last week, um, that the, oh, let me think here. The uh, official, um, Jairus, he was an official of the synagogue, came to Jesus, said, my my daughter's near the point of death. Would you come pray for her? Jesus goes, and in the midst, the woman comes with the issue of blood, touches his garment. So it's kind of of this almost interruption as Jesus is going uh, to this uh, official's house to pray for his daughter. And remember that uh, somebody comes, a representative comes from his house and says, your daughter has died. Don't bother the teacher. And Jesus kind of responded to him. And said, "You know, do not be afraid any longer. Only believe, she will be made well." So, so they go to the house, and, and Jesus raises her um, from the dead. And then Jim had Jim had made this uh, point this morning uh, in the in the prayer room this afternoon. Uh, right after this, he says, "You know, in verse nine, um, and and it says, and it's connecting it to." what Jesus did there with uh, the the woman with the issue of blood with the daughter and he said it, and it was just almost kind of the the outflow of that the reaction the response from that was was Jesus called the 12 together and gave them power and authority over all the demons and to heal diseases. And he sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to perform healing. And so my, my encouragement to you as is, is what it was to us today in the prayer room. You have this power and authority, okay? We have somehow convinced ourselves that there are just a few who have the ability to pray for people to be healed. Um, Jesus gave this, uh, this authority to the 12. Uh, a couple of chapters later, he does it to 70. Um, and the point that he's trying to make here is, Jesus, if Jesus was the only one to heal, um, then not everybody's going to get healed. But when Jesus took the authority and the power that he had and gave that to his disciples healings exploded exponentially because it's no longer just one guy, but now it's 12. And it's not just 12, now it's 70. And now it's not just 70, it's millions of people who know Jesus and are filled with the Holy Spirit have the power and the authority to lay hands on people and see healing manifest. So I just want to encourage you as you go out. There may be a lot of things we don't know about healing. There may be a lot of things we need to teach on about healing, but don't limit yourself. Don't wait until you have complete, perfect understanding about healing to pray for people to be healed, because you'll never do it. Um, Sometimes you just step out and just say, God, I'm just going to trust you. I'm just going to believe, God, that that you're just going to Your spirit of healing is just going to manifest as I just step out in obedience to your word, lay hands on the sick, anoint whatever God calls you to do, however God calls you to do it. If you'll just be obedient, he's given you that power and that authority um, to do that. Amen? Amen. Father, we just thank you so much. Tell me his name again. Samuel. Father, we just lift Samuel up to you. Father, I would pray and I would ask God that you would send believers to that hospital room, that, that, from that boy's church, that family's church. That God, there would be people who are walking in the power in the authority and the anointing of your word. God, that they would go, that they would lay hands, that they would anoint, that they would release the spirit, the Holy Spirit uh, in in healing over this young man. Father, I pray for that spirit of healing to be manifested in other members of that family uh, that need that. But God, I, I just ask, Lord, that you would intervene on this young man's behalf. God, for such a young uh, child to be dealing with something like that, Father, we just know that that is an attack of the enemy against him and against that family. And Father, we just pray, Lord, that you would just raise up a hedge of protection around him right now. Father, we just pray, Lord, that your spirit of healing would just manifest over him in that hospital room right now. Father, we ask, Lord, that you would just put around him people, Lord, that would speak the word of God, that would speak the promises of God regarding his healing. And Father, we just ask, Lord, that you would just Just do a miracle in that young man's life. And Father, we just ask and we contend for his healing by your promise, Lord, that by your stripes, Samuel is healed. And Father, I just speak that over anyone else in this room tonight. Father, where there is sickness and disease in this room, Father, we speak in the authority by the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead, the same spirit by which Jesus ministered healing by the same spirit that went with the 12, by the same spirit that went with the 70, that were given that power, that anointing, that authority over sickness and disease. We just speak to that in this place tonight, and we say to you, sickness and disease, you have no place In these bodies. These are the temples of God. These are the temples of the Holy Spirit. And by virtue of that. We say to all sickness and disease. Flee. In the name of Jesus. We rebuke you. We cast you out. We cast you down. And we say that you have no place. In that temple. Father we just thank you Lord that you have given that power and that authority to us. And, Lord, we stand in that, not by our power, not by our strength, but by your Spirit. We stand in that authority. We stand in that gap, and we speak to sickness and disease as Jesus spoke to it. Father, we again just ask, Lord, that you would just continue to bless, to keep us. Lord, we pray that you would help us, Lord, to just be attentive to your word. Father, that we would keep our ears inclined to it, that we would keep our eyes fixed upon it, that we would just keep it in the midst of our heart. And that God, as we are obedient to that God, that you are gonna just, again, you're gonna manifest life. You're gonna manifest healing to all of our flesh. And Father, we just ask for that tonight in the name of your son Jesus Christ our lord amen thanks for listening for more information about praise community church including gathering times and events please visit us at praisecc.org